And we're recording. Hello, Christine. Hello, welcome to Rainbow Nation at the Jim Sacconi Civic Center. Yeah, we're on the on the road. No, we're on location. We're on there location. We so we are down, um, and someone is getting his vaccine today. Yes, <laughs> yes, I am very excited to get my COVID nineteen vaccination today. My first shot. Yeah, it is um, mid March, oh, St. Patrick's Day, actually. Oh yeah, Happy St. Patrick's Day. Yeah, I'm no, not, I'm not wearing, wearing green, green either. Yeah. Oh, pinch your bum yeah. later. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's my first shot, and I understand you've already received your first shot. Yes, I got my shot on Sunday, and I volunteered on Monday, and it was like really heartwarming. Um, so many people from the community have come down to help, and um, it was really social too. Nice seeing people; like wow. it was quick. Yeah. Um, the clinic runs really well. There's ten nurses here from the CDBC, plus local nurses helping out, and doctors, right. volunteers. Right. Um, yeah, and I got my shot. I just had a sore arm and was a little bit tired. Wow, right on. That's amazing. Yeah, I read there was a lot of support for the... the fir- this is the first mass vaccination for like an urban center, I, I was told. Oh, really? I yeah. didn't know that. Yeah, it's huge. And I know the day I volunteered at about 5.30, we had immunized. Well, not we, but... Yeah. Um, there had been 750 people immunized, and the goal was 1,000. So wow. they were really happy. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I'm hoping we we get this podcast out in the next little bit because right. if you haven't gotten your COVID nineteen vaccination and you're nervous about it, there's so much support down here. It's That's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm a little nervous. My sister and her entire family got vaccinated last night. My parents in their seventies got vaccinated on yeah. Sunday. Yeah. So you know, it's 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 the cool thing to do. It is, and I am here as your support person. You are. So Thank you so much. We're gonna take pictures and. <laughs> Um, yeah, big shout out to um, the Northern, Health, Northern I mean. Health, the provincial government, and right. everyone who's CDC, helped. Yeah, uh, I was told there's like over 400 volunteers. Oh yeah, it's insane. And you know what? They put up the clinic in six days. That's what they told us. And then all these community people, like there's, we're all in stations. So I was a greeter, and then there's runners, and then there's um, flow people, wow. and there's lots of writing and taking down information and stuff. Okay, but um, it flows so well for something that was put together so quickly, no and there's been a lot of food donated. Wow. Um, yeah, it's just been amazing. It's been really good. Crazy. I'm so yeah. excited. So here we go. He's going to roll up his sleeve. <laughs> Rolling up my sleeve for science. Okay. Woo! Ta-da! All done. How do you feel? Um, to be honest, I was a little lightheaded right after. Yeah. But um, I just sat there, and honestly, I didn't recognize anybody in there. Yeah. It, it's like going to the airport. You know when you go to the airport yeah, and you it, don't recognize anyone? Um, also, too, we went in really fast. Like, it was seamless. Right? Oh, really? Hey, yeah. Yeah, like, we just went yeah. in. We had to wait a couple minutes. They get all your update, up-to-date information. Right. They're very, they're very thorough, they're very polite, they're very, um, I don't know, just welcoming. Yeah, I know. We should have more immunizations. <laughs> <laughs> and how did it feel going in? Um, I, I, it just felt like a little pinch, like a, yeah. like a tiny little whatever. It was so fast. Um, I got it on slow-mo, and it's <laughs> great. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> I love that. And the woman who helped, who helped me was, oh my gosh, forget her name. But she was so fun. She just she posed for a pic. Yeah, yeah. She well, was before really she neat. she gave the vaccine. So 
Yeah, so if anybody's nervous, um, just bring a support person and right. it, it goes by pretty fast. And right. Yeah, like we're watching people go in right now at the parking lot. Yeah. It's busy. It's so. a full parking lot. Well, fairly full. I mean, I've, I don't think I've seen it this full since like last year, right? Yeah, no, for sure. And come on, Prince Rupert, let's get everybody immunized who wants to get immunized. And Absolutely. Yeah, just give them a call. And actually, we should say the number on here. Is, Is it on there? No, I don't no, think that's it. Just call us. No, just <laughs> oh, there it is. one eight four four six four five seven eight one one. Yeah. Oh, that's the to talk to a nurse or practitioner. Yeah, but that can make your appointment too. Oh, I right? see. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So Yeah. And then we'll be recording a podcast this weekend. So Yes, yes. Exciting so, details coming up. For sure. And thank you so much for being my support person. You've been an amazing support. System. Anytime, anytime. Okay, so get vaccinated Prince Rupert and Port Edward. Yes, Port Edward too. Okay. Have a great day, everybody. Yeah, see you soon. I do feel better, thank you. This always puts me in a better mood. We are recording right now, by the way. Hello, Russell. Oh, hello. How How are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing a lot better, as I said. Now that I'm talking to you. Yeah, um... Last time I talked to you, you had just received your vaccination. How are you feeling? Good. It's um, the first couple of days were like pretty intense for um, adjustment, but mm-hmm. aside from that, um, like extreme tiredness, um, but lots of energy. And I'm finding I don't know if it has anything to do with the vaccination, but my mood swings right now are incredibly psychotic. <laughs> Well, yeah, no, I had a bit of that too, but I think it's because, you know, we get so worked up like, oh, we're getting the vaccine, we're getting the vaccine, which is super great. I'm super thankful. But then you kind of, you're up here and then you kind of go down yeah. because you're like, oh, but we still, still can't, do anything. can't really do much. <laughs> and, you know, now you got to wait two weeks. And right. But I am super thankful. Like I have, today it's been one week, so I have one more week. Oh, nice. Um, yeah. And so, but you know what? We're, it's. It's awesome, but yeah, it was weird. I kind of cried. <laughs> like, oh, really? Hey? I don't have an itchy arm. I don't have yeah, no. a tender arm anymore, but I was tired too and super thirsty. Yes, yeah. I found like I had like really, really dry mouth. Um, and my body, like normally I cramp a lot when I'm cold or like dehydrated. Mm-hmm. And I was cramping a lot, which was really annoying. But yeah. um, so far, I mean, it's it's totally fine now. I find that moving helps a lot too, like mm-hmm. moving my body yeah. and whatever. So, and drinking water. Walking a lot too. Mm-hmm. So, Quending today, um, I just wanted to chat a little bit about Elliot Page. Yes. His new haircut, and he's on the cover of Time magazine. Amazing. Which I tweeted out. I think I put on my Instagram, but um, I'm just super proud. I'm super proud of the response from people and right. how, um, you know, it wasn't like when Ellen DeGeneres came out, I'm gay, then her show yeah, got canceled. Exactly. Like, um, the series of, oh my gosh, it's totally left my mind right now. Umbrella Academy. Umbrella Academy. You know, they just rolled him into the role still. And, that is and so I think cool. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is how, amazing. What do you think? Um, I actually didn't read the article yet, which is horrible. I, I just kind of enjoyed the, um, 
like you said, the response, like the the, mm. the support and the outflowing of like um, encouragement and acceptance. I mean, that's mm-hmm. been pretty pretty amazing. So I mean, especially like twenty twenty one is like twenty twenty's ugly little cousin. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm kind of finding so these little glimmers of um, light and uplifting kind of messages are, are always welcome so yeah and, and I was talking last night with my friend and she was talking about how her little girls um were watching this series and I think it was on Netflix I don't remember what series it was but um, my friend was saying oh there was a male character on there who was wearing makeup and had nails and she was like oh I, I love you know um his nails and his makeup and stuff. And the girls were just like, yeah, and that's his boyfriend. Like, it's just so <laughs> yeah. normalized, you right. know, like, which is great. And like, they're eight and six and they're wow. just like, yeah, and that's his boyfriend. Like, don't even blink an eye, you yeah, know, and exactly. it's not this big two hour long discussion and, and right. stuff like that. So no kidding. Yeah. So, and yeah, we're just at the one year mark with the pandemic, right? The highs and lows for you. Um, yeah, um, I think just, like, with everything else, just kind of rolling with it, um, Mm -hmm. definitely, like, there was, like, a little blip, I can't even remember how long I had off while working from home, but then going back to the office, Mm -hmm. so that was a huge mental adjustment, and then by the end of the year, I think everyone just kind of, like, was done with everything, so definitely, and I don't, you know, with the, the vaccination, the mass vaccination clinic and the other ones opening up around the province. That is definitely a lot of um, hope and a lot of like mm-hmm. a like a small sliver of light at the end of a really dark tunnel. So, yeah, I was thinking like some of the things with the pandemic I've done really well. Like where I've you know been doing my schoolwork. I've had lots of things to fill my time we've been painting our house and then I had this weird experience where I was in Walmart the other night and it was really busy and I was just like I have to get out of here (laughs) there's too many people and it was the first time I've ever experienced that where you're you've just kind of gotten used to the small numbers yeah but yeah I'm in Walmart and there's like people around and it was like this weird little mini panic attack I'm like I gotta get out of here like even though I'm masked up yeah. I got my groceries and then I just left. I left the store. <laughs> and then looking back on it, you know, there wasn't like 200 people in Walmart. There was maybe 60. And yeah. I was just like, I gotta go. Yeah, yeah. That, that was definitely, so. yeah. No kidding, right? And can you imagine? I mean, there were so many people right now talking about like being able to travel again soon and whatnot. Mm. But I honestly, I have no desire to. I mean, it took so long for us to get into this kind of mindset of. Yeah. Isolation or do you know what I mean? And then now mm-hmm. you're just going to be like, oh, ta-da, you know, all done. Let's just go back to normal, whatever normal is. But yeah. Yeah. So it'll, it'll be interesting, but definitely thankful for, yeah. like I've said this all along, technology and for sure. being able to get out and walk. And I think now that spring's coming again, you know, we're going to start to see the sourdough loaves coming and the baking <laughs> bread and the cinnamon buns and the gardening, like all the people who garden. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No kidding. Right. Can you imagine yeah. if, if this, I think we talked about this before. Can you imagine if this happened in like the nineties? Like, oh we, yeah. What would that look yeah. like? Or the eighties or whatever. It would have been a lot of Sarah McLaughlin on repeat. <laughs> <laughs> totally. 
<laughs> yeah, no, and thank God for Netflix and yeah. series. Like, I'm watching Superstore right now. Oh, my gosh. That show is inappropriate and super <laughs> funny. Like, I, I keep on, like, people keep on recommending that to me, and I keep kind of forgetting. I'm still no, in that kind of mindset of, of, of Watch doing... tonight. Of doing, like, the same five series over and over again. So I need to break out of that. So I will with Superstore. Yeah, and you know what? It's 21 minutes. Watch it for 21 minutes tonight. <laughs> and there's a character on there who reminds me of you, so I want you to <laughs> figure that out. Um, so we have an exciting guest today. Yes. Our guest is Brayden Zerta from mm-hmm. Prince Rupert. We're not like outlier, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so it should be exciting to talk to Mr. Edzerza um, about some stuff. Yeah, I'm excited to ask him questions, but I'll wait until we start up and hear <laughs> a little bit more about him. Okay. Um, so yeah, looking forward to it. Yes. Um, oh my gosh, I guess I should email him the link. Okay, see you in a minute. Okay. Okay, that one's paused, but this one's still going. Hat off. <laughs> And before that, I was in Calgary uh, for seven years where I was getting my degree. Awesome. And what's your degree in? Um, So I took environmental science. Um, Yeah, originally I was going to school for social work, but um, yeah, like early on, I just decided to change my mind and then I went into the sciences. And Although it took me six years, uh, I did it and got my degree in 2019 and then got offered some jobs back home and then, yeah, moved home and I've been living here ever since. That's awesome. So do do you, where, whereabouts do you work now? Uh, So currently I would just, my only job is I work with uh, Metlakatla. I'm under the stewardship um, society. Um, So my job title is I'm the climate action coordinator. Um, so part of the coastal first nations, um, eight other coastal first nations communities have the exact same position as me. Um, and we're all working on different things, but ultimately like our goal is to, um, develop renewable energy projects, uh, energy efficiency projects, um, climate change mitigation, adaptation. Um, and then a lot of my work is in like food security, food sovereignty, food safety, um, and that's kind of where my passion really lies. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. So when you say like food uh, sovereignty and stuff, like what exactly are you are you looking at in terms of for the community or or for for people like in Metlakatla yeah. and Prince Rupert? So, like when we talk about like food security, like like let's go back like maybe like 200 years like we had like thriving food systems um that still exist today like um you know we had food forests and uh fish weirs and um i've learned about like these sea gardens and um we had clam gardens and you know we tended to berry bushes and you know we had this like extensive food system that helped our people like survive for millennia right on the coast Mm -hmm. and Um, we're, it's often overlooked, you know, we're told we're like hunter gatherers and we didn't have like sophisticated methods of food production, but like when you look at it, we survived for like tens of thousands of years through like many different changes. And, you know, those food systems really helped us and, um, helped us thrive. And, 
And now look at where we are, like uh, maybe 200 years later. And now, you know, people are really struggling to get, you know, basic food, even like healthy food from the grocery store. Mm -hmm. Um, And yeah, like, so it's just crazy, like where we came from to where we are today. But um, like, we're still, we still have a lot of our food systems in place. You know, we still eat probably like 50 to 60% of our diet from like the ocean and the land and, um, but a lot of the projects I'm working on currently, um, we did a cedar garden box project last year where we got, uh, f- seeds and soil and these really beautiful cedar garden beds to our members. Um, so we got people out gardening in, in the pandemic and yeah, it was really amazing initiative, um, to see and to see people get really interested in gardening again. And I don't know if you guys know, but Metlakatla has quite an extensive history with gardening and food production. Cool. Yeah. That's super cool. We were just talking before we started the podcast about, you know, how it's been a year into the pandemic. And last year when we were first into it, everyone was like gardening and making bread. And and this is probably the most I've ever cooked and eaten at home and like <laughs> planned out meals and stuff like that. But um Will you be providing like ways for people to um, like for the younger generations to learn more about food production and and like using the whole greenhouse house method and, and stuff like that? Like, I really don't know anything about this. Yeah, so. definitely. Like, I think that's like our biggest focus is on our young people and, you know, really developing those skills. And um, like that Cedar Garden Bot Garden Box project was just one initiative that we did last year and was super successful. And we have a greenhouse in Metlakatla and um, one of the employees there before was working in the garden. And it was amazing to see all the young people interested in food and going up to the garden and seeing what we can grow, you know, like having beets there, uh, potatoes and garlic and lettuce and just tons of different food. And, um, but I realized like a lot of young people these days are often like disconnected from their food systems and, Mm-hmm. Our even like our traditional food systems or like our mainstream food systems like it's like people don't know what to eat anymore like this is healthy or that's not healthy and right but like when it comes down to it like what's healthiest for like us as like Simshian people is like our traditional foods like our salmon and our um you know seafood and ulek and grease and all these different plants and so like moving forward in our work, I really want to focus on helping our young people get reconnected with our land and our culture and our food systems then, but also like melding in like, you know, what you're talking about with the greenhouse. And then we're trying to get people more gardening here. And um, like, ultimately, like, I think we're moving towards like, you know, like culture camps and um, developing long houses and yeah, just getting back to our food systems and like, preparing our young people for the future because it like it is a little uncertain right now and we don't know where we're going and it is scary but you know we can provide them hope by being like you know we can become resilient by learning how to produce food and um, developing greenhouses to grow food and then you know re restoring our old food systems and you know there's just lots of ways that we can encourage our young people to get involved with food and culture and, you know, that will help make us resilient moving forward because with climate change and industry, you know, there's a lot of uncertainty to where our world is going to go. Mm-hmm. I see like um, 
the the presence of um, your your work on like platforms like Instagram and you know kind of getting the word out that way do you find that um, social media is helpful or not helpful in trying to kind of get your message across to your membership and your young people yeah so I think like we have an Instagram page and we post on Facebook and I find it a very like good tool to use, but often I find like it's not the same as being out in community, right? And like talking face to face. And that's why I found with COVID, it's been really tough. Like everything's on Zoom now, everything's on Instagram, everything's on Facebook Live. And like it's been a really good tool for certain things. Like, yeah, we don't have to always meet up for a meeting, but. I really miss like connecting with community and being out on the land together. And so like social media is quite like a tool to use, but like, I just, yeah, I really miss like in-person meetings and being able to just talk with community without a mask. And yeah, it's been tough. Has, has Matt Lakala gone through their um, vaccination themselves? Like I know um, Kikatla has, Lakulam has and the NAS has. Yeah, so I think almost, I think 90 to 100% of Metlakatla on reserve members are vaccinated now. Oh, wow. Um, and then I think a lot of our members off reserve have been also vaccinated. Oh, that's um, So I really hope that's um, going to maybe help lift some restrictions and maybe we can start gathering again because, you know, Sure. Like seaweed season's coming up and yeah. berry season and salmon season and uh, hairy yeah. Name. Hairy name yeah exactly. Mm-hmm. Oh my god, that's so good. <laughs> I know, I can't wait. <laughs> In terms of like, you know, the different seasons coming up and stuff like that, like have you had to reach out to some of the elders in the community? Like have they been able to teach you some things or or have have you learned from others? Like just curious about about that yeah so like a lot of like my knowledge comes from our elders my family um other community members um but also i learned a lot from like living in other nations territory like um i got my degree in calgary and i learned a lot um from you know the blackfoot the stony nakoda um and like although we're very different we're like vastly different but we saw a lot of the same values and so I learned a lot about food security and food sovereignty and traditional food systems while I was uh, studying my degree. Um, but yeah, like a lot of my knowledge comes from my aunties and my grandmothers and my great grandmothers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's super cool. Um, what's your favorite thing about, about bringing back the traditions and creating um, like the stewardship within, you know, food security and stuff? Like, what do you like the most? Like, my favorite thing is, like, I'll just give an example. Like, a lot of our off-reserve members um, don't have access to our traditional foods. Um, So we had one of our members go out and get, like, 11 buckets of clams. And um, I brought some to some elders. And, like, just to see the way they light up just by receiving clams and seafood and how happy and grateful they were. that's just like one of the most amazing things to me. Cause like our food is like everything to us, right? Like it's mm-hmm. like 
it's just so good. Our foods, like it's just amazing that we, I was able to grow up with access to our foods and, um, but yeah, it was just so beautiful to see how happy people got when they received their traditional foods. And that's like one of the biggest things for me is like, yeah, like, and that's how we used to be. Like everybody was fed, mm-hmm. right? Like back in the day, like we, everybody had food, you know, like, mm-hmm. and there's just such a disparity now and people are in the wage economy and, you know, yeah, it's just hard. So that was one of my favorite things is, you know, being able to bring our elders their traditional foods and just to see how happy they are just to receive it. Yeah. Well, yeah. Cause food is like the, the ultimate connector, right? Like people gather together to celebrate something with traditional foods. And like, I'm hardcore missing my parents right now and my family because you know, everything going on, but um, yeah, like f- traditional foods, especially like when you got that first feed of olikins or, you know, the first, um salmon comes comes down the pike or whatever that's that's a huge deal and you have a big family dinner and all that kind of stuff so yeah I can totally relate to to seeing the connection and that light with um so you know with your elders and stuff like that so that's amazing Mm. and right like that's like through food it's like how we pass on our traditions it's how we pass on stories it's like we learn by doing things on like through food like you know by like if we make guy walks or, you know, dried fish, you know, you learn that way and you're learning stories from your elders and how to cut it. And, or you're, you're learning how to like make seaweed squares and if they're not too big or, you know, like there's just so much learning that comes from producing your own food. And that's why I feel like a lot of people in Canada are like out of touch with our, with their food systems, you know, cause like, you just go to the grocery store and you get your healthy food there. But like, there's just such a disconnect, you know, like, and it's a system that just doesn't work, you know, importing food from Peru or California, Chile. um, It's just not working anymore. Well, not only that, it it just brings a lot of like, um, like fruits that typically aren't in season, but then you can get them out of season now because they're either genetically modified or, imported you know what I mean so you know the the apple that you bought two weeks ago looks pristine in your your fridge still because it's not the same that's the part that weirds me out yeah (laughs) should this apple still be here uh, you know six weeks later (laughs) it's probably from last year too that was like gas (laughs) right and it's like (laughs) yeah but um No, like, and some of the memories I have growing up here too is like of your grandma, you know, when she would make her smoked fish and and stuff like that. And and my favorite season is salmon season just because I love sockeye salmon. And that's one thing I think about Prince Rupert and, and being on the coast is like, you know, whenever someone catches fish or you know, everyone shares it. Like Rus- Russell has shared his fish with me and, and Lori has done the same and it's just so great. And now I see in my kid just growing up here, like he knows that the Ulikins are, were running, you know, and he's just like, let's go see them and stuff like that. So it's, it's super cool to get the connections back. And even for myself, um, the amount of money we spend at the grocery store is insane. Like, oh, like just the whole cooking at home piece. Yeah. It's crazy how much money you can save. It is. And like, 
like it's amazing like i was out ulican fishing this year and i've never seen that many people out on the river mm. and not just first nations people you know like U- the ulican run really brings all our nations together you know we're all out there fishing and having a good time but to see a lot of non-native people out on the river too just checking things out and mm-hmm. and it just was nice to see like people getting out of like i know the pandemic's been really hard on so many people and right so it's just nice that we have these things around here where we can go out and, you know, experience these things that have been around for so long and that have influenced Simshan people and other nations like so deeply. Like, yeah, so it was really nice. Have that awareness from non-Indigenous people, kind of, you know, the encouragement and kind of like knowledge of what's happening around our, our areas is really kind of... Um, you know what I mean? It's 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 really cool to see. Like you know, um, you you really want to see more of that. that well, kind of- and, and we didn't have it when we were kids in school. Like um, my son took is taking well was taking Smalik in school, and he knows all the seasons. Like he's like, well, it's this like this month, and we're, then we do this, and and that's cool too because we aren't indigenous but we live here and we're growing up here and i'm so proud of him because he he loves it and he's just like this is this is what we learn and i think it's huge like my little next door neighbor they've been out ulican fishing too and it's great to see that that family piece for sure totally and that's what i love about like for our indigenous kids and non-indigenous kids like it's just such a bridge to be able to bring you know, Simshan and other nations who are here, but also those non-Indigenous kids who can, like, learn so much from, you know, being exposed to, like, yeah, like, Ulican and learning about our seasons and learning about our language. And mm-hmm. and it's just amazing to see because I didn't have that either growing up, you know, like, oh, God, like, it was pretty racist growing up here. Like, and, like, I'm light, lighter-skinned and quite privileged in that way that I didn't experience as much racism as other people, but it is prevalent in this area. And so it's nice that like to see more young people coming together and, you know, pushing Mm -hmm. away from like those stereotypes that exist. Right. Yeah. Um, Coming back to Prince Rupert, do you think things have changed or they are continuing to evolve or do you think the racism piece is a little bit better? I know it's, it's a really trying time right now in the world too. Like there's so much going on. Mm-hmm. It, it's hard to say really. Um, like we're still within that colonial system that, you know, is just not for us. And, you know, we're often like, you know, where there's like this concept of like two-eyed seeing, you know, like our indigenous ways of knowing and then Western um, and like kind of bringing that together. But I still see it um, very heavily and I still hear stories, you know, like even for housing example, Mm -hmm. um, so many First Nations people in this town are without housing, like culturally appropriate, relevant, like safe housing in this town. And to hear people that can't even get, you know, like considered for an application based on their last name. You know, they're just like, mm-hmm. oh, that's a First Nations last name. I'm not even going to consider this person unless I know them and I talk to all these references and know all these fam. Like, I've heard a lot of stories like that. And 
Like, even when you come into Prince Rupert, it's like, welcome to the city of Prince Rupert. There's no, mm-hmm. no mention of being on traditional Simshian territory. There's no recognition from that, you know? Um, you know, the port was built on one of our village sites. You know, like, we've been completely removed from our land and territory here in a lot of ways. We've been, like, we've been... Like, there's no access to certain areas now. A lot of areas have been destroyed, you know. So, yeah, I think things are changing, but there's still that legacy and that history. Mm-hmm. Well, just with the, the the stuff that's currently happening that you see with the housing development, you know what I mean? There's mm-hmm. been those two um, change.org petitions from yeah. non-Indigenous people living in an area you know, saying don't don't destroy the this pristine area mm-hmm. for affordable housing, but you know where where their housing is, they blew through all of this rock and all of this this forest to make their really nice, beautiful houses. Mm-hmm. But now now they're like you know that that the narrative is basically, um, you know, save the trees, save the save the environment, blah blah blah. But really, the underlying theme is don't put affordable housing here because we don't, not in my backyard, that kind mm-hmm. of, which is really, really hard to see. Totally. It's like, we're okay with like completely bulldozing Ridley Island, building all this stuff for the economy, which I get, but like when we're trying to develop like housing that's so needed, like that's an example. Right. And mm-hmm. then the BC housing, they cut down the numbers because someone else complained. And, you know, I was out looking for a three-bedroom house. It was $2,200, some of them. like Ridiculous. Yeah. And, yeah, like, on their, on on one of the, one of their change.orgs, it's like, oh, they're going to, there's going to be more litter. I'm like, no, low-income people doesn't equate to more garbage. Like, yeah. And, yeah, it's just frustrating to see because there's such a need. And if you don't have housing, like, or if you don't have stable housing or you're constantly being kicked out for renovations or this or that, like it is a big stress. Like, and I know that since moving home because I haven't been able to find much steady housing. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's like, I really feel for the people here, especially the first nations people who are struggling with housing because it's not an easy thing to deal with. No. On the the upside though, I mean, there are some really great developments like what, Malakala is done with the um, the Cedar Village, right? Mm-hmm. For for elders, so you know those buildings look amazing with that huge cedar hat on top, and you you really kind of want to see more of that everywhere. You know what I mean? So, me too, and that's that's why I really hope that there's um, a stronger push for, and I don't even like the word affordable housing. Like, I, yeah. I just, like mm-hmm. it's just like. I just wish we were developing housing that's like, because like it, like for us, we developed our, our seniors housing, which was really beautiful and really amazing. Um, and my great grandma lives in there, but she's always like, oh, I want to live by you or live near you. And like, like, we're not meant to live like that. Our elders are not supposed to be in over there and we're over mm-hmm. here. Yeah. Like yeah. we need more mixed housing units that can have elders and young people and single families and, and not segregated. Yeah, because mm-hmm. it feels weird. My grandma living way over there. I'd rather have her like right 
beside me or on the same street, you know? (laughs) I agree. I, there's so many, I work with so many students right now who don't have secure housing and they're in the, you know, 14 to 19 range and they're couch surfing and it's super hard. And like you said, you know, it doesn't need to be affordable housing. It just needs to be housing that, that is, clean and and amazing and you know people can live in it and we can have communities together um and we've just you know the 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 housing market is just insane right now and and it's something we really have to focus on as a community definitely and like it's not just like first nations people either right like like you're saying these 14 to 19 year olds couch surfing like that's just oh that's so sad to hear like like Mm -hmm. Like, at least they have somewhere to stay. But, like, you know, I wish we did or advocated more. Like, it's like we're mm-hmm. in 2021 and, we're like, we're just starting to talk about this housing. And it's like, what has been going on for the last 20 years? Like, Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I really, like, for me, I would, I've seen some really amazing uh, housing projects out of the New Hulk Nation. And they built tiny homes for um, they're homeless men down there. And just to see what providing someone with their own space can mm-hmm. do for someone's life is incredible. And it will, it doesn't have to cost like, like, you know, tons of money. We can, there's even nations building their own homes for, you know, their elders and they're integrating, you know, like passive or like, um, energy efficiency design where you don't mm-hmm. even have, to have bills. You don't have to pay for water. You could be collecting it from the the roof and um, Mm -hmm. there's so many innovative ways that we could be looking at housing but we're not yeah and and another big thing that we're not looking at is like the resiliency because in 10 to 20 years you know if we have a heat wave like similar to what happened in maybe texas like our grid's quite different than texas but flip it to if we have an extreme heat wave our houses are not ready for that Mm -hmm. and we're not i don't even know many housing people who are actually thinking that far ahead to be like, okay, we need to start developing resilient housing now because Mm -hmm. in 10, 20, 30 years, who knows what, what the climate may be like. Right. Yeah. And um, like, I'm a big fan of tiny houses. Like I love them. There's one for sale right now and I'm obsessed (laughs) with it, but um, they are so affordable and just to give people, you know, that sustainable living where, like you said, they don't have um, bills and stuff like that. Even the pods, like they've been talking about, you know, how um, sometimes people can live in pods. Like it's not a tiny home, but it's a smaller, safe area for people to be. And and we need to be thinking forward, you know, about that Um, because life doesn't have to be so expensive. And I think that's the piece that, you know, everyone needs to take away from this pandemic is, is we have to make it better. We have to start thinking outside of the box. What's mm-hmm. what's a pod? It's like um, they've been using some of them. It's it's like a little environmental pod. It looks like a little trailer, and you can just sleep in there. And it's like smaller than a tiny house, but they're starting to use them a bit in different countries for tourism, like just places, unique places to go. But they're also looking at them as a solution for people who may be living on the street where they just have like a safe space to sleep and they won't get hurt and stuff like that. But then you can take the thinking further, right. Where it can become a living pod too. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I've seen those too. Like I was looking at one in, I think it's in Edmonton. They use 
um, shipping containers and they're like, yeah. um, to me, that's like ultimate, like, cause like a shipping container can withstand rain. It can withstand wind. It can, it's ha- holds up to earthquakes. Um, they're modular. Um, so yeah, I've been really like, I don't know how to do it, but I would love to see more of these projects being developed, you know, for, you know, our most like vulnerable people, you know, like our homeless and elders and young people and single families. And there's just ways we can do it. It's just, we, like you're saying, we got to do it as a community. Like we mm-hmm. have to be more community minded and but, yeah, I don't know. I don't know the steps to it, but I hope yeah. we can get something one day. Yeah. Um, in terms of like food delivery to Metlakatla and what are the things coming up for the community? Like, you know, in terms of will fresh vegetables be available? Like I know with the Nishka Society, they have, Russell, I'm not going to say it right, but the hydroponic. The what? Hydroponic? Yeah. yeah, they have like the hydroponic vegetables and stuff. Is that what Metlakatla is looking at too? Yeah, so we're like we're doing a lot of different things so like we did our seed and cedar garden boxes and we got people growing food and then we started um doing food boxes for our people as well so we did a bunch of local food boxes um in october november december um and now we're doing another one um in the next few weeks here but so we did a bunch of local food so we got like scallops from our aquaculture we got seaweed from um some elders in metlakatla we got Ulican grease that one of our uh, relatives made. We got prawns, we got octopus. Um, we wow. did local vegetables from like terrace. We got honey from uh, Smithers. We did local meat from terrace as well. Um, so like we could have just went to Safeway and was like, oh, make 60 boxes of this. Mm-hmm. But yeah. I really was like, we got to keep our money local and help the producers here because there is a lot people don't mm-hmm. realize that from smithers to here there's tons of different food producers and right. um so yeah we did our food boxes and we're going to keep doing those more and then we got a bunch of grants to get people out harvesting so we got we were giving out gear so like halibut line and uh, fishing nets and pfds and basically whatever you need to get out to get food um so we've been doing that um, and then we did a food security assessment. Um, so we're doing, we did a food security survey. So we, um, we got a really good response too. We got over 150 members respond and, wow. um, there's such a huge interest, not only in Rupert, but our members across like wherever they are that are really interested in food. And, um, we, we laid out some ideas like, uh, like, you know, maybe a food hub in Rupert where we could mm-hmm. come and you know, bring in different meat or different seafood and safely package it and um, do it in a safe manner and pass on skills. And um, a lot of people were interested in like restoration, um, restoring, you know, salmon streams and kelp beds to, you know, increase food. And a lot of people were really interested in like a culture, like center. Um, And also like just gardening and greenhouses and a greenhouse in Rupert. Um, so we took a lot of different ideas and we're trying to like figure out our next move. But, um, one of the things we're doing, we're partnering with EcoTrust, um, and they're developing an urban garden down, downtown. Um, cool. 
So we're going to be partnering with them. Um, not sure what that will look like yet, but it will be an opportunity for our members to learn about gardening more or pretty much anything food related. And um, so I'm really excited about that and the possibilities with EcoTrust. Um, so there's a lot of different things we can be doing and a lot of different projects that can happen. But yeah, I'm I'm only one person, so I'd love to be able to like build my team and get mm -hmm. more build more capacity and get more people involved. And um, that's why I developed a community food security um, committee recently. And we've had two meetings so far and it's been amazing just to be able to bring the community in, in that way. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's just, so one of our elders, she, um, they had this group, they called it preparing for our futures. Um, basically it's like getting more young people involved in culture and, at our last meeting, we kind of affirmed that that will be our group name. We're gonna we're gonna be a whole group and be call it prepare for our futures. And um, yeah, we're just gonna keep getting more initiatives going. So I think the first one we're gonna do is we're gonna go out seaweed picking um, in April or May and get more people out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So there's a lot going on, and that's just kind of a few of the initiatives we're getting going. Yeah, that's amazing. So, okay, so you've kind of touched on the, some of the challenges of living in Rupert. What are some of the kind of um, bonuses or I don't know how to, how to word it. What, what are some of the perks of living in Rupert, like a small town like Rupert for yourself? What I love about Rupert is, I guess like for me, I love the access to nature and being able to get outside every day. Um, like go up Mount Hayes or up tall trees down Buttsley, go up the river. Um, that's my favorite thing about Rupert is being able to be on my territory and, you know, go for walks with my dog and, um, and there's just so much going on. Like you can go kayaking, you can go canoeing, you can go bike riding, you can go for a run, a hike, you can go out on your boat. Um, that's one of the biggest things I love about Rupert is just our access to nature. That's awesome. Yeah, I I love watching your um, Instagram videos with your dog. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she gets a lot of walks. The other day, I think I walk her too much. We had like four walks in one day. <laughs> <laughs> What's your dog's name? And what kind of dog is she? Uh, her name's Copper, and she's a Siberian Husky and a Poodle. Standard Poodle. Yeah. <laughs> That's that's a good mix. I have a labradoodle, and um, she's pretty funny. the The poodle and dogs is interesting. <laughs> it is, <laughs> and then like put a husky with a poodle. It's like stubborn and like very like. She loves doing her own thing, but then like anytime another dog comes around, she's all over me and all jealous. And like she's just such a character. <laughs> I'm That's just so awesome. glad though for my dog for this through this pandemic because like I'm single I, I'm like I there, I got my roommate here too but if I didn't have my dog to get me out every day mm -hmm. yeah I don't know like where my mental health would be right now right? Yeah. yeah yeah it's been a blessing to have her do, do you think um you know getting back to the traditions and the roots um really helps people with me their mental health, like in terms of, you know, watching plants grow and, and providing for others, like, 
in terms of the youth, do you, do you think it's helping? Oh, totally. Like, I think like getting reconnected with culture and um, outside is so like has such an impact on people's mental health and well-being. Um, so I, that's why I really want to push for like a longhouse in Prince Rupert and a longhouse in Metcatla and a cultural center, like to be able to have that space that's for First Nations people that can be used anytime. Like, yeah, it will be a Simshian longhouse, but to have it for all nations present in Rupert, I, I could see that having such a benefit for the mental health of like, not only like my, our, my community, but so many other communities. And just to have that space, whether it's, you know, your dance group wants to go in there or you can learn art in there. Um, mm-hmm. Like that for me is like why I went into environmental science. Cause I was like, well, I really want to help my people. And like, I, I seen what my grandma goes through in social work and like just taking stuff home. And I was like, I don't know if I can do that. But like through environmental sciences, like I can help my people get out on the land, mm-hmm. get reconnected to culture and help that way. Because that's where I see the biggest changes is like when you maybe teach someone how to cut a fish or teach someone about a certain plant or get connected with an elder. Just like what that it's so like such a deeper connection for us. Like it's just something that we need moving forward is that cultural Mm -hmm. connection. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And I think too, there's just so much knowledge that I don't know about. And um, even like getting back into um, like being more organic or, or, you know, connected to um, how people used to do things a long time ago. Like, you know, Mm -hmm. it's, when you have a headache, it wasn't necessarily that you took a Tylenol, like you maybe did something else, right. Or you brewed a tea or whatever. And I think it's really cool. Like, especially for, um, I know when we have the role models come into the alternate school I work at, you can, the kids are so attentive because they just want to know so much about the, the sites around us and, and what they can do and stuff. I think it's really good. Totally. And that's why like, that's why I see there's such a, a benefit of working with the schools and working with um, education. And that's why I'm, I'm, I'm really looking forward to where this work will go and building those partnerships within the community. And, um, and yeah, whether it's like a cultural center or something, but ways that we can get more, more people out on the land and more people out learning about gardening or food production or, renewable energy or energy efficiency or climate change um, is going to be really crucial moving forward, especially in the next 10 years. Mm -hmm. Um, Because it's our young people that are going to inherit this world we live in. And it's our duty to help them become as resilient as possible. And that's why, like, for me, I just, it's why I do the work I do, you know, it's to help my niece, have a world where she can go salmon fishing and go hooligan fishing and you know those systems will still be around there and to do what we can to restore enhance you know our ecosystem so we can still go out fishing and we can still go out you know be on the territory and on the land and that's what really guides me in my work is you know for our young people and the youth mm-hmm. that's amazing yeah <laughs> 
Let's just all live in a boat together. (laughs) (laughs) That's my goal. (laughs) Have a boat and like a little cabin out there. Like, oh, it would be amazing. And like, um, down in, I think it's Bella, Bella. Um, they're developing this whole community. It's like a on the land, like wellness. I can't remember what the name is. I'm totally blanking, but they're, it'll be like culture. It'll be language. It'll be like, a. I think they're doing like a treatment center. So people who are struggling mm-hmm. with drugs and alcohol. Um, and it'll, and it's, I think it's off the grid. And I just feel like every community needs something like that. Some sort of like cultural reconnection to mental health and wellness and exactly so yeah i just there's so much to do and i just i'm so excited to see where this work goes mm-hmm. so so you're basically are you are you like committing to like a long stay in prince Rupert, or can you see kind of if something takes you away from prince Rupert to continue this work long distance that's the tricky part <laughs> <laughs> I definitely want to stay in Rupert because it's my home. It's my territory. Um, I love working for my people. I love getting reconnected with my community after being away for a while. Um, I love our language. I love our food. But it's a struggle here being, (laughs) I don't even know how I identify sometimes, but a queer person in Prince Rupert is very hard. just like like if I want to go to a drag show it's we don't have that here and (laughs) you know if I want to go like like I love live music I love Mm -hmm. like entertainment I love and this that's what's lacking in Rupert you know like those those supports yeah yeah or like you know like a sober dance for two-spirited people or like a sober dance for queer people like we just there's not much going on here in Rupert. Mm-hmm. Um, Believe me, we tried. <laughs> <laughs> we'll like keep it up. No, just yeah. kidding. <laughs> yeah, and I know it, it's so crazy. Like I miss, I miss a concert. I miss, you know, just the day to day stuff. And I'm hoping it comes back soon. And in some ways, I am glad that you know certain things are accessible. Like we're going to be doing. Um, a Soji youth summit. So like an LGBT summit, but it's going to be on zoom for our youth. Mm. And, and that's exactly what I said. I'm like, I need to see like a drag show. <laughs> so can <laughs> we get that for the youth here? Cause it's so fun and it, it's so good and, right. and stuff. But I hope as we get out of the pandemic, you know, those, those things will come back and, and not that Rupert necessarily ever had that but that we just have a presence still and that we continue to build capacity right exactly right because we are here like you know like we're yeah there's got to be lots of queer people in Rupert but (laughs) (laughs) yeah uh, yeah. we'll find them we'll go on the hunt (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah I really that's what I'm looking forward to is like what what can we do after this you know like let's really Mm -hmm. just because I like it's a struggle here especially being a queer young person Mm -hmm. and there's a lot of sad stories in Rupert and Mm -hmm. it breaks my heart and you know we can 
there's got to be something we can do, whether it's like hikes together or mm-hmm. um, kayaking trips or absolutely go visit an island or, you know, there's got to be something we can do for queer young people because it's a struggle and it's, there's mm-hmm. just not a lot of support. So it's like, I feel like we, I don't know what we can do, but it's like, I don't know if it's not like, I always want to think to like not for profits, but like, even just as a community, we know we need to be there for our young people. Mm-hmm. I agree. I think we should have a music festival. You just had like a really good idea. We could just go across the Harbor. Oh, right <laughs> That would be so fun. <laughs> but yeah, like that's our hope too, is just, you know, like we're here and there's, there is a lot of us. And I think, you know, if we can just get some ideas, like even starting with a hike, just, you know, right? a yeah, hike. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm all for that. And I hate, I hate being outside. so i don't like nature (laughs) yeah i'm I'm horrible i'm really like i'll I'll tolerate it but um yeah yeah but no like brayden when you do your camps um i i'm definitely going to start following you on instagram and and like reach out to us when you're doing fun and cool things because um we definitely want to share that with the community and it'd be great to share down the road with the students I work with too. Yeah, for sure. And there's going to be a lot of opportunities coming up. So I'm, I'm glad and grateful to know that you work for the, the alternate school. Um, and yeah, there's going to be a lot of opportunities coming up. So it'll be cool to see what we can do. And yeah, I'm really excited. Mm-hmm. Hey. Well, thank you so much for, for joining us today. Is there anything else that you'd like to share? I'm sure I could go on for like half an hour. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're, maybe we'll do a part two, right? Like, yeah, right. And come back and, yeah. and do that for sure. Follow up. Because in like in six months to a year, like there's going to be some really cool stuff happening in Rupert in terms of food and um, culture. And yeah, I just really want to pro- just create more opportunities and connections between, you know, like mm-hmm. different organizations and schools and between nations and For sure. moving forward, we all like, we all need to be working together. There's like, mm-hmm. you know, I'm Simshan, but you know, we also have to work with Haida, the Nishka. We all, we all have to work together. And then especially indigenous and non-indigenous, you know, we have to mm-hmm. move forward in a way that benefits everybody, you know, and yeah, I'm just really excited to see what that will look like. Cool. Awesome. We'll keep in touch and and thank you so much for joining us today. We have to yeah, do a thanks. selfie so you can't hang up yet. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you you actually have to take a picture. I I'm sorry. Oh no, right. <laughs> You've seen my Instagram. Only <laughs> <laughs> my dog and nature photos and food. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> Your dog if you'd like. Oh yeah, I'd love to. (laughs) (laughs) That was so interesting. Okay, wait, let me stop recording the Zoom. We're done, right? Yeah.